This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Magnin. And I'm Luca Levitz Meblet. We're back. And our we episode this week is. This week, we will be, or I'll be talking about iPads. Sweet. But first, we have some follow up. Do you want me to start or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you can start and then I'll start. And we forgot to mention that. Okay. Well, first is not really follow up, it's more. An administrative note, which is that uh, I handed in my resignation at work yesterday at time of recording, and so I will be working for a little under two weeks at my current employer, and then I will be taking the rest of the year off to work on special projects and figure out what the hell I'm doing with my life. Uh, so that's going to be fun. Congrats! Uh, I don't want to dwell too much on it right now, uh, but we will talk about it in a future episode. Uh, so look forward to that. And hopefully it's going to be a moment where it will spark creativity for future episodes. Yes, definitely. Um, and next up, I just want to bring up very quickly that uh, today was a PlayStation 5 showcase event. Uh, it was kind of underwhelming. Well, I guess I was pretty much prepared to be disappointed. However, uh, one big piece of uh, <laughs> news that came out during this event was that Gran Turismo 7 has a release date, which is March 4th, 2022. And there is a new trailer uh, for Gran Turismo mm. 7, which came out, uh, which you can go watch, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, one of the things that I sort of picked up on, but not quite as much as I, sh I should have during the trailer, is that it's the entire ha first half of it is an homage to the opening uh, intro videos for Gran Turismo 1, 2, 3, and 4. Oh, nice. Yeah, there are like very clear uh, references to those four intros, uh, and I will put a link to a video by BK4, which is one of the most prolific uh, Gran Turismo shit posters on YouTube, uh, who made a comparison video of the various scenes in the trailer that shows the original next to the uh, the new one. Uh, as a whole, I I'm a little bit worried about Gran Turismo 7. Uh, it, it really seemed to me a lot more like a Gran Turismo Sport expansion pack or feature complete Gran Turismo Sport more so than a game in the vein of Gran Turismo 1, 2, 3, or 4. Uh, so that is a bad sign for me. Uh, I mean, it'll probably be sick anyway, um, but it, it's just scary. That's all. Yeah, I haven't had the time to watch uh, the trailer just before recording, so I'm eager to watch it. But you got me worried with what we dis we just mentioned and what we discussed previous to recording uh, earlier today. So, finger crossed that's not another uh, GT Sport 2. Um, but but like literally while we're recording right now, I'm getting tons and tons of screenshots of every frame in the trailers, uh, like dissecting every little detail from one of my friends. Uh, so. Uh, there's a lot of information to pick apart uh, by the Gran Turismo community as to how this game is put together because we've only really had like two real gameplay uh, reveals so far uh, for this Gran Turismo game. And Polyphony Digital isn't really like a lot of other game companies. They don't really have like streams where they go into a huge amount of detail like you would see for like Smash Brothers or even something like uh, Monster Hunter or Resident Evil. Uh, so... I guess they're living. They're leaving a lot on the table for uh, when the game comes out, which I guess is kind of exciting because you don't get a lot of that in games these days. But it's also worrisome because <laughs> when you have a bad feeling about a game, uh, you don't want to be disappointed. Uh, but I, I guess we'll follow up on that in future episodes. But that was all I really had to say uh, in this follow up. 
I heard you had some things to say about the mini desk episode. Yes, I do. So first, I would like to uh, thank Richard for stepping in last minute uh, in my spot. Literally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, literally last minute. Uh, yeah, At the end of the month of July was a bit crazy. Uh, like professionally for me too. Uh, nothing to announce too much. It's just big things at work. Uh, I think the one thing that is official because it's everywhere now is I changed roles. So I, uh, decided to go back to fully focus on development and no longer be a team lead. Uh, so it was more or less in the week of all the announcements. So I assume I could manage everything, but I was like, Oh yeah, no, I still, I'm stressed out with, with that. But overall, everything's fine. So I don't want to dwell too much on that, but. Coming back to the mini disc episode, I really, really enjoyed it. I've heard from a lot of people who really, really enjoyed it. So thanks a lot to everybody who reached out and commented on that. Good, but I did take offense on one of your comments, <laughs> saying that I wouldn't be interested in doing a mini disc episode. And I quickly reminded you that before I knew you, I had a high school friend that had a mini disc here in Trois Rivières. So. I, while I didn't own one, I experienced first and the uh, mini disc experience of 2006, uh, with through a friend of mine at that time where she had a mini disc. She was showing me how to record things from it and also kind of do, uh, mixed cassette tapes, but with misc mini disc tapes, let's put it this way, uh, and all the things you mentioned, uh, and for sure it had like funky plastic colors a la iMac and all that fun stuff. So I want you to stand corrected. I experienced mini disc way before you did. Fair enough. Good. Uh, my next element were supposed to be follow-up. I wanted to mention literally in late July. So, uh, and it is regarding our, uh, no longer reason I was about to say recent episode, but our episode of the beginning of the year about electric cars and especially electric pickup trucks. One of the models I'm quite excited to see, not because I want to own one, but I really want to see it out to see how it will shake out the market is the Rivian, uh, cars and pickups. And sadly in July, when they were supposed to ship in the US, they announced that they were getting delayed till September. Uh, and luckily since then, some car journalists were able to drive them and go into a Rivian electric adventure. So I'll put a link in the show notes from The Verge, uh, now updated one, uh, saying that Trend was able to kind of more or less review it and spend a couple of days with uh, the Rivian. And that, yes, indeed, their uh, September date, which is not an exact date, it's just September, uh, Apple style, uh, that it is still on plan to start the deliveries of said pickup truck. Uh, related to that, I don't have a kind of quote-unquote review, but just a quick note that I also was able to experience driving for the first time an electric car. Uh, one of my good friend Bertrand has a Model X. Uh, and uh, over the summer, one time, uh, I, I was I had the opportunity to drive it around. And yeah, so it's quite interesting. I guess maybe at some point if I'm able to... Oh, I say that, but I also experienced a uh, Porsche Taycan on a kind of like small, just like marketing event that uh, local dealerships in Montreal were doing. But uh, hopefully if I have more experience with other electric cars, uh, we could make a special episode of me talking about driving different electric cars. But just a quick note that while I'm not getting an electric car, uh, currently I was able to experience electric cars during our small hiatus. 
Good, and that wraps up follow-up. So let's go into the main topic. And I said at the beginning of the episode that to, uh, to this week, we will be talking about iPads. And you might be wondering why I decided to choose this topic is because in June, I upgraded myself to a new, quote-unquote, new uh, iPad Air. Uh, the iPad Air was launched, the latest version, so it's the fourth generation was launched last fall at the same time of all the other Apple devices, the iPad uh, 12, the new watches, and a lot of fun stuff. And tonight, I kind of want to talk about me and my experience with iPad over the last 10 years. Uh, yeah, now even 11, I should say. Uh, of owning iPads and really uh, reviewing this uh, new purchase. But first, before talking about the iPad Air itself, I want to talk about my ownership of iPads. And this is quite of an interesting story because the iPad Air 2020 is officially the second iPad I've ever bought with my own money. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you reacted this way because that's what I was expecting when I was writing my notes to be like, yeah, I have to go courageously and really put those small asterisks to uh, this story. So I bought in May 2010. I'm, was it in May that it launched in Canada? I, always I think so, yeah. So, it, But I recall it was like end of spring 2010, but I think it's May. It could be June, but... Who cares? So in May 2010, I literally woke up one day. I didn't pre-order the iPad first generation. I just woke up and then literally at that time, in uh, there were no Apple Store uh, in Trois-Rivières. There's no Apple Store, but there was no distribution of Apple devices easily available in Trois-Rivières as it is right now. I literally called the Apple Store in Laval uh, in, in the Montreal region and be like, hey, do you have enough iPad Air for me to literally drive an hour, 30 minutes to come see uh, iPad Air uh, 1 to come see? And like, people were like, don't worry, like we have a shit ton of them. And they were, it was true. Like I recall, it was at that time where this Apple Store had the typical layout where you have all the tables at the front and you have literally the genius bar at the end. And the bar was, I think... 10 boxes high and all of its width full of <laughs> iPad 1. So I was like, okay, I didn't get bullshitted by a, a salesperson at the Apple store telling me, like, come in and then you arrive and there was nothing. No, there was a shit ton of iPad there. So I bought the iPad, which I'll continue calling, uh, which I'll from now on call it the iPad OG. Uh, I bought it at lunch. I've more or less used it till 2013 give or take, which is when I started my job at Lightspeed, where I we I work on an iPad point of sale system, which that's why it's, I, I'm sure that's why you reacted this way, Nick, is I've had throughout my last eight years at Lightspeed the availability of a multiple different model of iPads. Is that correct? Yeah. So because of that multiple of devices, some might say like, oh yeah, I've owned multiple iPads, but no. Uh, so they were all work devices. And it meant that uh, when I joined in 2013, I more or less replaced my iPad OG with an iP the first gen iPad Air. And throughout the last few years, I've used, I would say, more or less... I won't say all the devices, but all the major iPad devices. So a lot of the iPad Air, m more or less all the iPad minis, um, 
more or less all the iPad Air versions too. Uh, some of the iPad Pros. Uh, I didn't really ever own a big iPad, which I mean a 12.9, but I've used some from like helping colleagues and things like that. So I've been in presence of the 12.9 inch iPads uh, and sometimes daily. So, but overall, like if we look at the uh, my professional ownership of iPads, I've owned an iPad Air first gen. I also own an iPad Air Mini 2. Uh, a lot of the iPad Air and Mini 2, a lot of my colleagues at work would have used them a lot because when we started the project, when I, a bit after before I arrived, that were they those two devices were the iPad in vogue. So work bought a shit ton of them, and we still have a shit ton of them at work. So I think it's a it's a good um, it's a good complement for iPad Airs and iPad Mini 2s. Eight years on, they're still rocking. The battery might not be so great, but <laughs> they're still. Uh, uh, doing great even if they don't support ios yeah they stopped at ios 12 so they don't support the latest ios uh, version so if you bought it in 2013 and still used it until literally uh two years ago it was a well-run device and it was one of the first like really thin ipads that were around because on top of using an ipad air 2 and also my main quote-unquote work daily driver was an ipad pro 10.5 since i switched it's still officially my work ipad now uh i've had the opportunity to use a lot of the different like ipad like the fifth gen like the cheap ipads let's call it this way uh the fifth the sixth the seventh gen and all of those are pretty or they kept they kept the same thickness compared to all the other ipads like the the more pro ipads in the recent years got it thinner and thinner those one kind of kept the same uh thickest profile as the ipad air so it meant that i was able to use uh, a lot of them the one i just named air mini 2 air 2 and the pro 10.5 inch were the four main devices that i also use for personal reason which is more or less kind of allowed at work ish kind of <laughs> don't quote me on that uh but they were the ones that i also use for personal reasons and one of the main reasons uh, in the past year or so where I was talking about that is why I switched was to start more or less making a clear distinction. With the work from home because of the pandemic, It's it was becoming harder and harder to make sure you have a clear separation between your work life and your personal life. And I think in the last eight years, what happened a lot is it, I kind of like caught myself into just, oh yeah, we have a new iPad, let's try the new iPad. And then didn't realize that it had the uh, pervert effect that, oh yeah, you have Slack installed, you have your email installed, your email like, wow, maybe I didn't get too much notification on Slack over the weekends, but oh, email comes in, you go look, or you, the temptation is hard. And I felt that especially because of the pandemic, I really wanted to have a clear separation of concerns, if I can say so. And uh, because of funny reasons that I won't go into too much details, I, in the past few months, I also received a new work laptop, uh, which meant that it, it was like, okay, I've got, I've got a new work laptop that I can reset up and make sure that I have a clear separation of concerns there. Why should I just do that on the iPads too? And then take the opportunity to go get uh, myself an iPad. So, more of the story, I still use the iPad Pro. Uh, we're kind of in between project at work, so I still use it, but I don't 
like debug too much on it. I can for the things I do these days, I can just use the simulator mainly. But I still install a lot of like internal builds and things like that. And it's funny because my new laptop is properly like separated correctly, and this work iPad still needs to be uh, cleaned up a bit. But the new iPad Air is correctly cleaned. So it meant that uh, since 2013, uh, I didn't ever bought an iPad for myself. And uh, and while that's, I guess you could say that I always add new iPads, uh, the main new iPads I've seen were when Tony got an iPad mini 5, I guess. I forgot at which number we're at with, yeah. for the iPad <laughs> mini. But the latest one, the one that is quite old at this point. Uh, and recently over the summer, we were going to the Apple store. I think it was to go see the bands, uh, in person. And I was like, Oh, we're like, it's pandemic. Sure. But we were, it's okay to, it's okay to go visit or we were already visiting. So if we take five more minutes to go look at the iPad, what's there to lose? Uh, except money. Let's put it this way. Um, and I was already thinking, and one of the, main decision when I looked at the iPad is for sure I was not getting any of the, the smaller iPads. I was not getting the 10 to 10.2. I came from an iPad Pro, which I would say I used its Pro capabilities for work and less for what I was doing personally on an iPad. Uh, I do, I will call it this way, I do a lot of computer stuff but what I realized throughout the years is the type of computer stuff I do on the iPad is what the iPad is good at, light browsing, a couple of word, like writing a couple of emails, like maybe creating a couple of documents, especially recently I had to go to do a couple of like paperwork for the uh, apartment building I live in and, and things like that. Uh, and the iPad I think is, is good for those types of things. And of course, I should not forget about this, a lot of YouTubing, a lot of watching mm-hmm. car videos on YouTube. But I don't do like... Again, I haven't traveled in a bit in a while, so I don't. I you would used to do a lot of photo stuff, but we've, as we've discussed previously, uh, in at limitless possibility, that I am lazy about photo management. Uh, I wouldn't do too much of it, uh, and especially on iPads that were bought by work. It didn't mean that I had the luxury to have a lot of storage on mm-hmm. them. So doing a lot of photo management could become a problem especially with iCloud photo library which I enjoy but I always is require I'm always required to more or less put it in optimized storage mode which for editing photos or cleaning up the photo library to going back into your history uh can become a bit more problematic um so I know that one of the main important point by buying myself an iPad would be to okay I'm used to getting like a, even the iPad Pro add add 64 gigs and with a couple of like offline YouTube videos, a couple of dubbed up videos, it was more or less full. But I understand this works logic to say it's for development. You don't need storage, which is true. Uh, don't get me wrong. It is true. You don't need that much storage. But for a personal iPad, you end up with a lot of videos and things like that. So I've decided to say for sure, I was not clear yet. Like, for example, for years, my iPhone has been at the, since they more or less go up to 250, when, yeah, since the, the iPhone Pros, I forgot when they, 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 they bump up the, the storage, but 
for I know the last two phones, I think my iPhone 10 and for sure the iPhone 11 Pro, I'm always at the 256 storage, which is splendidly. It is giving me back what I used to live, uh, I used to feel, which is enough storage that, yes, it's for some people, it could be easy to fill it in, but it, it is so much space left that for me, it's kind of infinite storage on my, on the way I use my phone or now I would use my iPad. For example, uh, I, so for sure for the iPad Air, I took the 256 model because it's literally, literally either 64 or 256. Uh, and I'm more, more or less, yeah, halfway, no, 40% full. But the main reason is I now have my, uh, my watch list in YouTube automatically download everything. So, you can do that? Yes. Uh, there's a setting. It's kind of... Really? Okay. Huh. It's automatic-ish, and maybe it's kind of YouTube premium feature, but if I go into my uh, watch list, there's a button that is download all. And in the recent couple of days, I've added more videos, and now it, tells, it, it is telling me, do you want to download 15, the 15 new videos you've added? So it's kind of... Sometimes I see it does... Like, I open the app, and it refreshes and start downloading some sometimes i really need to trigger it so uh, i guess it's automatic ish let's put it this way but to go back about to go back about uh, my point about storage it is that that's the type of experience i wanted to live back again that i because of using work devices i was always concerned like for example if i were to go look at the ipad pro 10.5 that i had i know it still has a couple of uh no i shouldn't say a couple of I, I do know it, it still has a lot of WWC videos on it. And it was always full. Like I was always, always at 50, 55 gigs out of 60. So it was always problematic for that. So this is one thing that was refreshing. I didn't say a number. I, I didn't mention I get the 256, but I didn't say a number because I knew that my main decision was, should I spend the money on an iPad, a new iPad Pro, so one of the new M1 iPad Pros, or save a couple of hundred dollars and get an iPad Air. And a story has shown that I decided to do that, but I want you to keep that on mind because I want really to do a real comparison a little bit later about like why did I decided to choose one or the other? Uh, because uh, as you possibly have heard on other tech medias on the other tech podcasts that are talking about those devices while i personally i feel that the price difference is a bit i think the price difference is big enough to have a difference compared to what i've heard a lot from people saying why pay seven eight hundred dollars for an ipad air when you can pay nine hundred dollars a thousand dollars so an ipad pro that gives you re- way more and i kind of disagree with the way more so storage, not important, not base storage. The next thing that really weighed in the balance was really color. I really, really <laughs> enjoyed the new design and especially the colors. I think it brings it joyful. It's bringing joyful colors to the iPad. One downside about the color is don't get the blue. The blue looks nice on pictures and it only looks nice on pictures. And that's true. You really have to go to the Apple store to see how disappointing the blue iPad Air is mm. because I literally put it like I was at the Apple store, the uh, salesperson like really flip all the iPads. So there's four colors, silver, green, blue, and pink. Um, and so we had all of them and 
I really enjoy green in life, so I was kind of more or less done that I wanted green, but I wanted to see the difference between blue and silver because the blue looked great. And I pointed out, oh, is that the blue one? Oh, no, I said, is that the silver one? And she's like, no, that's the blue. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. There was okay. a weird thing going on with the colors in Apple products last year because the smart cover that I bought for my iPad Air, which was, uh, sorry, iPad Pro, which was also released in uh, 2020, was so weird it was um it was supposed to be an olive color but it looks like sky blue Mm. and it looks nothing like the photo on the website but i know it's the olive one because the box said it was the olive one but it's like you wouldn't know that it's all supposed to be olive green (laughs) and i feel kind of ripped off for it i mean like it's still a smart cover and it does the job but the color is not at all what i thought it was going to be so i think there's some weird stuff going on with the color choices they made last year yeah and that's what's interesting with a lot of the color choices is you do have to feel them you to see them in person to make a conscious decision okay yeah in the end the blue looks like the silver do i mind that in most cases in most lighting it will look exactly like i like if i bought a silver model but sometimes with the right angle the right the right light <laughs> uh like golden hour at uh, in the day you see that it's blue uh, possibly people might like if you now know that that's the case, you might still buy the blue and there's no, like, it's not an extra $50 to get the blue. It's the same price. But if you were to base a decision on the pictures like you did for your smart cover, I was about to say you, you might feel a bit ripped, ripped, rip off because you would have expected that it would be a bright blue and in the end mm-hmm. it's not really bright or really distinctive. So I chose the green. And the green, uh, I have it in uh, my uh, magic keyboard, and we'll come back to that a bit later. And like, I see the band, the, I see the sides, and it really looks green. It's a light green, yes, but in all angles and all lighting, it is green, and that I quite enjoy. Uh, the new design, the square edges, the new form factor that is reminiscing of my beloved iPhone 4S ish. Or iPhone 5, 5S is quite nice. It's really nice to hold it in the end. It's quite thin too. And it is a good departure from the, um, round side, the round edges for the fast few years on the iPad. Again, that will sound like I'm bragging, but no, but that's the part of being an iPad iOS developer. I have, I think, five iPads right now with me. And sometimes it is quite funny when you when you look at my bunch of iPads that they all look the same. If they were exactly the same colors, uh, sometimes they get the white and silver. Sometimes they, they get the space gray at the work. Uh, but if they were exactly the same color, you're like, okay, is that the iPad Air 2 or <laughs> is that the iPad 6? Or it's like they all look the same. I was starting so, to have that problem when I was still buying devices for iconoclasm testing. And I, there were literally like days when, oh, a new version of iOS came out. I need to go buy an iPad mini tonight. <laughs> it's like, yeah, your library of iPads is like incredibly hard to tell apart after a while. So... I guess I shouldn't say that because it, for some, it might make you regret your decision to buying like an iPad, uh, no, an iPhone 11 or, uh, especially if you have a, like a 10, a 10X or 10S, uh, devices. But 
recently I had on my uh, work desk, uh, my I had my 11 Pro that I'm still rocking. And I had my 10 lying around. And you cannot imagine how many times I picked up the wrong phone. <laughs> Because for sure, if they were like if they were laying on the on their screens, it's obvious. I have the green one. There's the bigger camera bump because three cameras. But if they're laying on their back, uh, no, no, no. Like it's they're exactly the same. And I made these mistakes multiple times. I was like, oh crap. I kind of I kind of understand now why people are saying a lot of the the tech pundits are saying like, oh, Apple sometimes doesn't innovate or they all look the same. I'm like, okay, yeah. When you have two diff- two phones that are literally from maybe two generations apart, and you pick up the wrong one, thinking it's your the new one, yeah, okay, I see why it's happening. I was at my parents' place last week, and it's gotten even harder for my family because now three of us have ten R's. <laughs> Ooh, we, we all have different colors, luckily, and I have a bumper on mine, so it's easier to tell it apart. But if it wasn't for the bumpers and the colors being completely different, like we would be picking up each other's phones all the time. So, speaking of that, Tony also bought an iPad Air. Uh, <laughs> he's back to school because of the pandemic and everything. So he's like, you know what? Uh, like the laptop I'm using to record is kind of our shared Mac dev- personal Mac device. Uh, and he was like, I'm not really in the mood of bringing this to 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 school, and the battery is meh. So it's because it's an end me down from a, a friend. Uh, so he's like. I'll buy one. And we both like green, so we bought a green one. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but we, we did one distinction. Uh, again, I don't want to talk too much about the magic car, uh, keyboard yet, but we uh, did that distinction at that level. Uh, but I'll be back on that. So now it's time to talk about... I want to talk about the color a bit and the design before talking about the comparison with the 11 Pro because I was at the Apple Store. I was looking at them side by side. Um, I was looking at the price difference. Uh, again, also Tony's back to school, so we enjoy student discounts, which it's a good way to get discounts at Apple Store. Uh, and even for that, my thinking was to say, okay, to make a proper comparison of those two devices and the features they have, I'll have to, even if the base iPad Pro has more storage than the base iPad Air, let's bump it to the middle level. So it's, I think it's for, for both of them, it's 256 each, but the iPad Pro starts at 128. So you could say that 64 isn't enough, but 128 is. So if you were to buy an iPad Air, you'd need to buy the, in Canadian dollars, a 979 price, a model, which is the 256 versus the, I think, 999 model, which is the, um, is it ninety nine nine? I didn't. I forgot to take note of that number. But more or less, take the base model of the iPad Pro eleven inch uh, M one. Um, and yes, it is nine ninety nine Canadian dollars. So for sure, at that price difference, like there's literally twenty dollars. And for twenty dollars, I think the justification is pretty solid. So like, okay, no, for twenty dollars, yes, you have less storage, but you have way more functionalities. At eleven twenty nine dollars, yes, it's not a big difference. We're talking about one hundred fifty dollars, but even with the same discounts, yes, you could say that the same discount is more or less a percentage, so it's the same thing. But the nine seventy nine comes to nine nineteen versus I don't know the the price for the M one, uh, the yeah the iPad Pro M one. 
So I was like, you know what? Uh, let's do the, the comparison. I was looking at the devices. So first of all, they have the same design. They have the, like both of them have the new rounded, the, the rounded corners, the flat edges, uh, the iPad Air's tinier screen, 11 inch versus 10.9 inch. Some might say that the A14 is less performant than the M1. Again, let's go back to the opening statement. I don't do that much of the power things. I need a powerful laptop for my work, but for my personal needs, I don't do too much coding. I've tried Swift Playgrounds, but never really stick to it. For the photo stuff, the difference between the A14 and M1, not really worth it. Uh, cameras? Yeah, it's okay. Like, uh, the camera sensors is better on the iPad Pro, but again, I don't ever really use. I, I changed my phones for that. Uh, that's why I focus on. Um, the one thing that it would be interesting is the, uh, front facing camera with, uh, center stage and, especially for doing a lot of FaceTiming and all that fun stuff. That would be a nice improvement. Again, if you want 5G because you're always on the road, you can get 5G, but who cares? The other big thing was also the difference between USB-C with USB 4 and Thunderbolt support on the M1 versus only USB-C support. Uh, the, the I realized when I was using my iPads, looking at my dongles, the main thing I would plug in an iPad is a card reader. Uh, when I'm on traveling, we're not traveling too much yet. Uh, just going to see if I'm in the other uh, city, so not going in trips and things like that, so not really useful right now. And uh, you know what? I'm sure for photos and doing a kind of a backup of your photos during a trip, USB-C 3.0, I guess 3.2 or whatever it is that it's supporting versus USB 4 is plenty enough for my needs. Yeah, it's great. I use one on my iPad every once in a while. I would say the big first difference is about to be mentioned and it is promotion i came so i received from work a pro 10.5 when it got launched two three years ago three years ago yeah 2017 four years ago even so it meant going back to a non-promotion display would you guess how i now reacted to that i'm guessing by your tone of voice that it was negatively <laughs> I wouldn't say negatively, but not that I thought I would miss it, but I thought I would kind of realize that it's not there. Hmm. And I kind of don't. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. And I will go ahead and I'll get back to what I want to say. No, afterwards. No, no, you, you can continue. We can stop. Uh, do a, I was going to the next point in my list, but okay, if you want okay. to talk about promotion, we can do a stop for promotion. Okay, so maybe this is because I'm weird and I watch Digital Foundry frame rate analysis videos and all of that <laughs> stuff, but I feel like I don't see the 120 FPS benefit in the places where I use my iPad the most. And by that, I mean, like, most of the time when I'm on my iPad, I usually am either in uh, YouTube, unfortunately, or... Uh, Tweetbot, and when I scroll in those apps, well, first of all, like in YouTube and Tweetbot, they have usually media that loads from an external place, and not all apps are necessarily the best at 
loading images from a remote server while not chugging the scroll animations. And so Mm. in the apps where I scroll the most and I would quote unquote benefit the most from promotion, I feel like I don't have a steady frame rate and therefore I don't really see the benefit of 120 FPS. Whereas I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case if I were to use a 60 FPS iPad because they would have not only more headroom because they would be pushing out half the frames, but also it would have twice the time to actually complete whatever operation it's doing and get it into the frame window so that you would have a a smoother frame rate. So I think if you're prioritizing smoothness of frame rate versus absolute top peak of how many frames you can have, maybe it is better to get a 60 FPS iPad. No, I think you you are totally right. And especially with scrolling, for sure, I think that's the best place where even in Tweetbot, I know you're thinking about like, oh, media needs to load anything. Tweetbot is quite performance. And if I were to scroll my old iPad Pro and the iPad Air, I would see a difference. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I'm not like, fast scrolling all day and trying to read tweetbot i'm slowly scrolling so i don't mind if it takes a bit less time yes some animation are a bit uh, i was about to say a bit more jarring but uh, not even kind of if you look at it for sure as a developer you have a nine for this but does it bother me for my personal device not at all and that's surprising i would say i was uh, that was one feature i was like at first hey you know what uh, that's nice um and in the end I, I feel i don't miss it and that made me reflect on the i don't want to talk too much about the rumors of the next few phones uh that's supposed to be announced next week mm-hmm. but people are making making it a big deal because competition doesn't does have it especially on the red phones and not the iphone and i'm like sure but now I downgraded my experience and I don't miss it. So I'm eager to see what will happen for the phones because, again, I assume it will be a bigger deal than it is. And again, I don't do a lot of like reading static content, not content that gets loaded like you mentioned with Tweetbot, Twitter, or any other things like that where you could like scroll slowly and try to read, let's say, your next page of your book while it scrolls. And that you do see a difference. Like That's usually the test you would do with a non-promotion device and a promotion device is open a book or open a PDF and then just don't scroll fast. Just let it scroll and let, let it decelerate and try to read. And guess what? With a promotion device, you're able to read because it's not blurry. But uh, with one that is not, it's not. But I don't care about this. The one use case where I would maybe notice a, a bit more and it's not a use case that I have very much of is with Apple Pencil because then your feedback is going to be much more immediate than it would be uh, otherwise, right? Because it would match right. the tracking speed of the Apple Pencil. Uh, most of the Apple Pencil usage that I have is within Ferrite when I'm editing this podcast. Uh, and I don't think it is necessarily the kind of thing that would benefit greatly from uh, having twice the frame rate uh, compared to uh, 60 FPS. Um, mm-hmm. But like I have artist friends who do a lot of work on their on an iPad and I think right. for them it might be a much bigger deal. Uh, and that's true. Um, I do use the Apple Pencil for handwritten notes, but I think for handwritten notes, you don't, you, you will see the benefit, but the benefit is not as important as if you were drawing, per se. Because, like, my, 
uh, friends and colleagues like showed me when even when the iPad got launched, like comparing with the Wacom tablet, and then you start to draw, and then you see the, the la- your laptop or your device is slowly but catching up, and then the iPad Pro it doesn't do that and things like that. But for handwritten notes, I didn't really see those delays or lagging behind. So, so yeah, uh, that that is one of the main. It's one of the main elements that I felt I would miss and I did not. If I compare that with the other one, it has four speakers like the iPad Pro, but it's not exactly the same technology. And for that, I do see the difference, especially because I'm watching a lot of video content. I feel that the uh, sound output of the iPad Pro 10.5 was a bit more powerful then with the iPad Air, I realized that I have to put the volume really close to high or to maximum to have good or just like when it's used on a desk and I'm not using the TV to watch a video to have the same level where I would be at 60, 65, 60, 70% output uh, with the previous iPad. Um, I don't care about LiDAR <laughs> and for sure we already dis- dis- uh, discussing great lengths. Um, the color versus the boring colors. So, it leaves one main feature that I haven't discussed. Touch ID versus Face ID. I think we discussed in previous episode that we personally would wish uh, Touch ID back on the phone, especially because of the start of the pandemic. I do believe that the Touch ID implementation in the power button is really good. Uh, nearly as good as when it's an on button before. Again, on button feels more natural on iPad versus uh, the power sleep wake, bu- sleep wake button. I would think that's one of the main downsides of having it put it there. But if it allows me to have the new rounded display and smaller bezels, I think it's a trade-off to make. But the iPad feels like a device that should just use Face ID because most of the time you're looking at it and it would just be more or less it will be more instant one thing you have one thing less you have to think to unlock your device to make it to do your work i think it works best on the ipad out of any device that i've used and i it, i also had that weird experience with touch id as well where like the touch id sensor on my ipad was magic and would always work perfectly and then i'd get to my phone and it would fail half the time mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of weird how those authentication methods seem to go super well on ipads and sort of i get the lemon version in the phones one downside though with the new implementation of touch id is we talk or you if you look at security comments a, a lot of people have mentioned that there's kind of a security vector that can be exploited by like people just leaving their thumb on the home button and then would authorize uh, purchases because the app would press a button and it would just magically pop. Or I would tell you, oh, put your finger on the home button, we'll use the reader to send and then poof, you've now authorized a $99 per day uh, in-app purchase and things like that. And for this device, Apple has changed how Touch ID works for that. So I made a comparison because I was like, at first I was like, why is this iPad so slow? Why it's not picking up my finger on the Touch ID? And that's when I realized that it was still doing the small animation. Hey, the Touch ID, the Touch ID sensor is here. I was like, oh, wait a sec. It's because I was too fast for the iPad. Ah. And what I mean by that is, let's say I'm about to go open one password. So I would maybe with one end put my finger on the Touch ID sensor and then 
click or like or there was an animation so i had the time to put my finger on it but the system doesn't do its overlay just yet because of the animation so my finger is already on the sensor and then the animation starts with the prompt say authenticate and it does nothing it just says please authenticate i lift my finger and then put it back Ah, poof it authenticates i'm like whoa it doesn't used to work like this and yes you're correct i was correct it didn't work like this i did exactly i used one password and i don't think it's a one password problem because they use local authentication and things like that again i didn't want to buy two things twice to try it on the (laughs) app store for example or any apple pay things but by using one password let's say i i would recharge or put my finger on the touch id sensor and then tap on the icon and it was a moment where i already authenticated once it will ask me automatically it would just unlock because my thumb is already there if i were to do that on the ipad air it would say nope but it doesn't fail it just says please authenticate and i would have to lift and put it back because now the prompt is on screen and now i I guess the intent is to say you are showing clear intent that you want to authenticate here. So while now that I know that, I kind of to I, I kind of have to unwire this old behavior of mine or this old this old muscle memory that I have from touch IV devices that meant that they were quite fast and secure at the same time. So overall, after going through this list of comparison, that's why I imagine what, like it took me maybe 20 minutes to do so. We did that in like five minutes in the Apple store. I was like, you know what? I'll get the iPad Air. If I don't like it in 14 days, I'll come back to the Apple store and exchange it for an iPad, iPad Pro M1. And as his story suggests, I didn't do such thing. When I bought the iPad Air, because again, one of the main reasons I bought the iPad Air was also to not spend too much money. Uh, I only bought the Apple Pencil 2 because I knew I was writing a lot. And my short review of the iPad Pencil 2 is, it's nice. I like that it is now matte plastic. Uh, do I care that it's not rounded? It's fine. I do like that it's charging inductively uh, on the iPad. That I think is a nice feature on itself, uh, uh, by itself. Uh, the touch area where you can have a button, I use it when I use Notability or PDF Viewer. Sometimes I annotate PDF from like my monthly bank bill and things like that. Uh, I realize that you kind of you kind of have to be quite intentious for it to work, or you don't want to be intentious and it activates by accident. And I'm not yeah. me erasing my notes. I'm like, Ugh. Uh, but overall, I don't do accidental erasing. Uh, too much um it's weird it's really when i try to be intentious of like using the functionality that i realize that i'm finicky and it's finicky and then i i I have fat fingers and i do it wrong Uh, but even then i have to remind myself that the feature exists and that i'm not just like using the pencil to tap oh okay now i'm using the pencil tool now uh, i'm using the pen tool now i'm using the eraser tool and i still I'm still wired with those old behaviors from the iPad and so on to do that because I didn't find it really useful. And I think the critics that said it should have been a physical button are totally right. It should have been Mm -hmm. a physical button. Yeah. I use it uh, mainly for uh, toggling plain pause in Ferrite when I'm editing and I trigger it accidentally all the time and it's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So again, I don't do too much like... I realize it's really in PDF viewer, even in uh, Notability. It seems that 
I always forget it when I use notability. And it's really when I do a PDF view, I'm like, oh yeah, I can double tap to do erasing. And, and especially in when I use PDF viewer for looking at bills and everything, sometimes I highlight. And because the double tap is just going from the current tool to the eraser tool and back to the, your current tool. Sometimes I, re- I wish they would do like pencil, highlighting, erasing in a cycle, but doesn't do that or even just have a sensor on the eraser end of the pencil so you can just use it on the other side like you can with wacom's certain Mm -hmm. times that would be nice uh but overall i I think i don't think even that it is more precise or anything pencil too it's just that it fits with the new like industrial design and it all charge wireless wirelessly and doesn't need a lightning port which again i like the technology to do handwritten notes. I don't draw too much. Sometimes I use it as a Wacom tablet just to navigate around the UI, uh, which works totally fine. Um, but again, I don't, I'm not, I don't regret the purchase because I, I think I still use it enough and I will use it a, a lot for the next few years. And also this is one of the, my remaining work usage on my personal devices because my Apple ID is authorized with notability, so my notes are on my personal device for for that. Uh, but if work was paying for notability, I would use my old Apple Pencil one on the other device and then just use that. And even then, maybe I would have not bought the Pencil 2. Magic Keyboard is interesting because I didn't buy it when I bought the iPad Air in June. I really bought it recently because, again, it's expensive. And it's after Tony bought his own iPad. Because when he went maybe a month after me, bye, he bought the whole setup. iPad, pencil, keyboard. Um, and he also bought the white one, which is which was the new one that came out with the uh, M1 iPad Pros uh, um, in April at the same time of as the uh, iMac. Um, so it was interesting because I wasn't sure which type of setup I want. Previously, uh, with the iPad Pro, I had the smart keyboard, so the one that folds a bit more. So it was fun because since Tony bought is, I was able to play with. Um, and I realized that even then before he got his and I had my iPad, I realized that I was always trying to to find a stand. And we had kind of a small bamboo Ikea uh, piece that you could look, put your iPad in. It angles it and that's literally f- uh, made for that. And I never used it. Tony was always using it. And since I bought the iPad Air without a case to prop it to watch videos, I was using it all the time. So I knew that while I wanted to uh, spend a bit more time or space out my purchases, I needed to buy something. So overall, I realized that I quite enjoyed the Magic Keyboard. Its main downside it is that it's quite heavy to really make sure that it props up and doesn't fall back and overall it doesn't even trying on lap and even i mean on the um in the the main problem or the main time they would fall back uh or fall down is when i'm in the bed lying on my back and just trying to watch youtube videos and sometimes the angles are not uh, are not right so then it tips over and it's pretty heavy so you have to be careful to not tip it over uh your face <laughs> because it is pretty heavy. but i would say it's its main downsides um I found out that the trackpad is there and if it's there, sometimes I use it to just scroll on things or to tap on things and it kind of triggers some of my 
laptop habits that I was not expecting hit too much trap. And the same way that I don't touch my screen when I'm using a laptop. Like right now I'm sitting in front of both of them, but I'm more more angled uh, in front of a MacBook Pro. And I think maybe it happened once in the last 10 years that I accidentally tapped on my screen thinking that it would do something. Uh, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? But this is not an interaction that happened to me. So I was kind of expecting that I know I'm on an iPad, I can touch the screen, I would just touch the screen. But because there's a keyboard, because there's a trackpad, I realized that sometimes I'm just lazy. I'm like, I already have my end radio above the keyboard, so I'll use trackpad. And I liked it. I, I really enjoyed the fact that you have a choice. Would I, and now I'm, I'm saying that while thinking that would I want that on the Mac? Maybe not. Like, let's not go crazy here. But the fact that if I use the keyboard a lot or if I'm just like lazy and my end is better positioned to be above the trackpad, I can use a trackpad. That's nice. The main downside though is a lot of iPad apps are not optimized for it. They work, but you don't have the nice integration that when you, the cursor over, uh, goes over a button, it like takes the form of the button. Another good example is the uh, Radio Canada news app here uh, in Quebec. Uh, Sometimes there, when you scroll in content, they kind of do like Safari, that the navigation bar, not like Safari, that the navigation bar shrink, but the navigation bar goes away. And if you were to go tap in that area, even with the cursor, it doesn't do anything. And you have to scroll back down. So you need to think that, yeah, your trackpad in a lot of apps, especially third-party apps, is like when you as an iOS developer are using the iOS simulator with your cursor you need to simulate that your cursor is more or less a fat finger and you need to do the same interaction as if you were touching the screen. For sure, in Apple apps, they've optimized them to use a keyboard, so it feels less like that. But in a lot of third-party apps, it still feels like this. Um, the full keyboard again, um, some people complain that, especially when you get a uh, 11 inch or 10.9 inch device that you have a kind of a full size ish keyboard because the uh, curly braces or square braces keys are uh, half size and again I haven't code too much I did wrote a lot I wrote those the notes of tonight of this week's episode on the iPad and the magic keyboard and that's fine but yes i could imagine that my muscle memory of typing curly braces square braces from objective c time uh, <laughs> would be a bit more problematic with f with keys on the magic keyboard but again i don't code on the ipad um one thing i do miss from the smart keyboard and for sure it's not feasible with the way the magic keyboard is created or is folding is that the smart keyboard yeah the fold position that you get get rid of the keyboard by putting it in the back of the ipad and you would still be able to prop and the ipad would still be able to stand on its own using the smart keyboard for sure with the magic keyboard it's either you detach it completely and you're in tablet mode or you're always in laptop mode with the keyboard in front of you so i realized that sometimes watching video in the bed makes it a less than a less ideal compared to uh the smart keyboard where you could be in laptop mode or you could be into oh it's just a stand mode uh also uh i'm eager to see over time again it's about maybe a month month and a half since i bought the smart the magic keyboard but after four years of using 
the smart keyboard heavily on the iPad Pro 10.5, uh, it, it became quite unreliable, meaning that when I would fold it to put it in laptop mode, my iPad would send me a notification. Oh, uh, device unrecognized. And you would try to type, doesn't do, you unplug, you, you like detach the case, you reattach the case. It wouldn't, like it's barely, barely works these days. So I hope that the reliability of the Magic Keyboard and especially the fact that some people have attributed that the the sensors or the, the three small circles are now in the back on no, and no longer on the edge was the reason why the smart keyboard, especially on the iPad Pro 10.5, was uh, more uh, unreliable than what it would be since the redesign. I hope that that will change and that also the Magic Keyboard is more reliable for this and that's not a design flaw from the the smart keyboard. Good. Last point about accessories is, again, um... When I bought my original iPad in 2010, I was still studying, so I was bringing this iPad everywhere with me. And at that time, I invested in a bag called the Book, so B-O-O-Q. And since then, one of the nice things is because this iPad has a pocket, so it's a small messenger bag, but imagine a slightly bigger than an iPad messenger bag. There's enough space to put a plenty of charger, plenty of cable, but it's not a full size mes- like laptop based messenger bag. It's really like an iPad base, an iPad size uh, messenger bag. And imagine the iPad being in portrait when you put it in the case. Uh, I would like to include a link to it in the show notes, but by preparing the show notes, I realized that the company f- of, uh, folded, uh, in I think um, a year ago. So, um, if you want to buy it, you might be able to find it uh, used. But because I spent, I think, uh, a lot of money, and in the end, I realized that I spent more money now on the Magic Keyboard. But me 20 years ago and me now, it's two different things. But I really, really enjoyed this bag because what I realized in the past 10 years since getting it is that when we, I was going back to my own town to see Yannick, to see the family, I would never bring my laptop with me unless I had like a real reason. I need to work or I need to debug something at my parents' place and they need a laptop with I need a laptop with me. If I'm traveling for personal reasons, I would mainly bring my phone and my iPad. Like my iPad became my computer. And this bag is literally my travel bag. I put like I left chargers in it. Now that I like for the past four or five years I have a duck at home, so I don't need a watch my my watch chargers in that. I have a phone charger. Uh, also, I used to have also an um, iPad charger in it that stays in this bag for my traveling. Uh, and one of the main reasons I don't want to change this bag because this bag is really nice. I really like the designs and it's also like pristine. Even if I tr- have it with me, it's really well made. And I was always afraid that at one point, Apple will do something crazy to the iPad that I won't be able to put an iPad in it no more. <laughs> But, yeah, because they have the habit of making iPads three times bigger than they used to be before. <laughs> they made an iPad 12.9, and again, I, I, I never made, I never tried a 12.9, but I wouldn't be surprised it would fit. But I never tried it, so uh, don't quote me on that. But for sure, since then, I was always able to travel with my iPad in it, and it's even crazy that right now I'm able to use it. And in the dedicated pocket to put the iPad, which is zipped, I can leave the iPad in its magic keyboard folded 
and it still fit. And we're talking, we're talking that I, I didn't do the comparison. I should have done that, but I didn't put my old iPad and the iPad Air and the Magic Keyboard next to each other to see which one is thicker. But I wouldn't be surprised they're closer to each other. And the iPad OG, because it had thick borders, was about the same size. So it really surprised me the first time I tried it and put it in. Like Even the first time I said, oh, it doesn't fit. I, I won't try it. I'm sure it doesn't fit. So I just put the iPad Air, which pop fit like a glove. And I was like, wait, let me try it with it. And I was blown away again when... Uh, the iPad Air and the Magic Keyboard would fitting in the protected pouch for the iPad. So again, uh, thank you, pass me. But uh, it is I, I kid aside though. Kidding aside though, like this is one of the accessories that makes my iPad life as a personal device like so nice because I bring my iPad with me everywhere. Like maybe not in activities, but every time I need to travel for a day or two. My iPad is with me, and that's 100% the case because of this bag. This bag is so light. So, again, hopefully, maybe if it continues this way and I never buy a 12.9, uh, this bag might be here with me again for the next 10 years with this iPad. And I was quite glad that my new setup with the, um, the Magic Keyboard, and I even tried it, but I don't do it because I have dedicated pen holder, but I could even keep the Apple Pencil on its charger position and it would still fit. So uh, I think I'm making a good selling argument for people to buy this case, that this uh, bag that is no longer sold, but I'm sorry about that. Uh, but it is one of the main arguments and that I enjoyed by saying that a my traditional iPad setup doesn't change. So where does it leave us after more or less three months of usage? I'm pretty happy to have way more storage um i'm pretty happy to have a new battery because my ipad which uh, ipad pro which spent most of its life while working on a charger its battery is pretty dead it's not dead but nearly there um so it's fun to have that i don't regret not buying the ipad pro uh, m1 possibly it might mean that i have to quote-unquote change it earlier than i assume so but i think the a14 chip is a powerful chip and with the current usage i'm doing these days with the ipad pro uh, the ipad air excuse me it is plenty fast and as like with the storage example i was giving at the beginning i have enough leeway in front of its the needs i have and its performance it can give me that i don't feel that will happen uh for sure who knows i was pretty tempted I was pretty tempted to get the 12.9 just for the mini LED because, again, I would see the benefit. Maybe not on YouTube today, but possibly watching a lot of Apple TV Plus on it, you could see the benefits today. Uh, and I think YouTube did say that they were doing HDR now. There is HDR content on uh, on YouTube right now. You can go watch Ramblex videos around Japan, and those are all in HDR, and they even work on quote-unquote non-hdr phones like my 10r or my ipad pro right they did the update on the ios app to yeah. support them the same way we can do 4k now on the ios app so that could have been a benefit but for sure like uh the 12.9 ipad pro was i think is is 1399 can yeah it's 400 dollars more than the 
the iPad Pro 11. And I was like, no, no, no. If I'm freaking out for like $200 more between the Air and the Pro 11, <laughs> I cannot imagine like 600 more from the Air to, to that. So I'm pretty tempted or I'm sure that when Mini LED comes down in price and gets in more iPads, I wouldn't be surprised knowing my needs of watching a lot of videos. Uh, I would be pretty interested in doing that. But for now, this is really a nice device. And yes, maybe after five years, spending $200 more to get uh, the M1 iPad Pro might be worth it. But don't listen to that. If you need to not spend that amount of money and get... 80, 85%, 90% of the features. Like, do it. The iPad Pro is amazing. And I really, really enjoy it. And I'm sure I'll enjoy this device in the years to come. Is that it? It is it. Do you have any questions about the device itself before we conclude the show? Not really. I mean, I've always really been sold on the iPad as a personal device anyway. Like, most of my computing when I'm not working is on the ipad and pretty much the only time i bring up the mac these days is either to record this podcast or uh to launch xcode uh, mm-hmm. but yeah so i i'm fairly familiar with all that stuff i'm I'm kind of surprised you used to be a little bit down uh, sort of on my side of the scale with regards to the keyboard and trackpad stuff and it's kind of interesting to see that you've sort of come around to it uh, I'm not sure I understand what you mean by that. What What is your side of things for trackpad and keyboard? Well, I, I, I thought you were, maybe I misunderstood or something, but I, I think you used to be like, you, you used to think the trackpad was stupid. Oh, you mean on iOS? Yeah. I, when it was announced, yes. And because it, it became from this assumption that I like with the uh, laptop, I wouldn't touch the screen. I would have assumed that I would never use it. But mm-hmm. I realized that because I've been owning laptops for the last 15 years, it naturally comes to me. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got the most surprised. About. And again, we're not talking, like, oh my God, my life is changing. But I was not expecting to use it as much as I am right now. And again, not using it a lot, but because it is always in the keyboard when I want to, when the iPad to be propped, I'm using it when it's there. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense because like the thing that Steve Jobs said that everyone quotes and makes fun of these days, but is still true, is it's not ergonomically good to actually be reaching up and touch the screen if you're using a keyboard like that. So it makes right. sense that you would be using the trackpad because it's the ergonomically correct thing to do. Uh, so, I mean, it makes sense. And that that's not why I think it's bad. I think it's bad because there shouldn't be a, a, a keyboard and a trackpad hooked up to the iPad period that's just Ah. my opinion um if you're going to have a keyboard then yeah it makes sense to have the trackpad there but you probably shouldn't have the keyboard in the first place because that's not what the ipad is for uh and like i I won't lie though i like for example i really like to write on the ipad and i don't like to write using the the uh software keyboard and the main reason i don't like to write on the software keyboard is i got used to the ipad og software keyboard and they changed it 10,000 times yeah. since then. No, I get you. And that's my main worry is I never got used to the new, the new keyboard because again, to go back to work devices, I might take out an iPad 5 mm-hmm. and as that old keyboard, I might take my iPad Pro and it has a different software keyboard. Yep, definitely. 
like that that makes sense to me but it's like yeah i i do all of my typing on the software keyboard and i hmm. have no issue with it but i've had like by now it's what like maybe five years on an ipad pro to actually like right get used to the 12.9 ipad pro layout so i'm pretty used to it by now and i don't have as many of the issues as i had when i first switched over uh, but yeah mm-hmm. if you're constantly switching like it makes sense uh, that you would not get used to it um but to me like the ipad is dedicated tablet device and it is not part of the product's goals it shouldn't be part of the product's goals to be this modular computer thing uh right, that right. No, everyone will fantasizes about uh and I think the product is kind of worse for it. Or like the the thing you were talking about where apps are not optimized for that scenario, it makes more scenarios, more niche scenarios for developers to uh, have to predict and develop for. And I'm not sure it's really worth it in most cases, uh, unfortunately. Um, but that was like, that's been the topic of like half of, a bunch of our episodes so i don't want to go on too much of a tangent about that but yeah i mean it it sounds like a great device i think i would in your shoes if i wasn't already on the 12.9 bandwagon i would probably do the same thing oh that's that's one detail i I forgot um that you were on the 12.9 bandwagon yep i've been on the 12.9 since it came out and i love it that's true that's true Especially the new one because it's so much lighter than the old one, which was it would break your arm. It was so heavy. Oh yes, oh yes. We had some at the office, and they are bulky. They are yeah. big boys for sure. Okay, then if you don't have any other question, that's it for me. All right. So you can find the show notes for this episode at limitlesspossibility.net/slash/167. You can also find all of our previous episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. The podcast is up on Twitter at Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I am at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you could have is at Lukonosh. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.